Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello. Fuck sake. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Podcast, podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I'm your host, Adam Hess, and with me as always is Mike Mr. Skin Regan. Mike, how you doing today? I feel like you have to have been born in the 90s to get that that reference. Well, I was born in the 90s, and uh, I get it, so your yeah. your evidence is pretty strong. Yeah, I am doing good. I'm currently staring at this uh, Alabama plus 250 to make the playoffs and wondering how much money I'm going to put on it. Well, you dumb fool, there's no Alabama in the NFL. <laughs> Actually, true. that's not true. There's a lot of Alabama in the NFL. Yeah. So, Mike, it is Monday, which is the day we record podcasts on. We talk about the previous week of NFL action. Uh, before we get started here, Mike, any thoughts on how many minutes of Jets Chargers you're going to watch tonight? Not that many. I'll, I'll probably ch- check in periodically. The Jets are like unwatchable. It's kind of like they're the worst of both worlds where they have a pretty stout defense, but also a really boring offense. Yeah, it's one of those games where you're only going to watch the possessions when Casey has the ball and the Jets are defending. You can just... Uh, L.I., not Casey. L.I., sorry. Why did I say Casey? Same division. Um, Same division. Yeah, once once the ball goes back to New York, just go ahead and switch over to hockey or something. It's kind of a pain in the ass, or you know, basketball. Uh, league pack, league Jesus, league pass watchability rankings. Just want to point out the third and final game I highlighted for league pass tonight: Minnesota at Boston. Um, Minnesota, Minnesota. Um, what the fuck were we talking about? Oh, that's the pain in the ass with watching the all twenty-two. Is that you can't just go like I only want to watch the offensive snaps for this team. Thank you. Yeah. So once you get. Like, if you're like, oh, I'm grinding tape on fucking Trevor Simeon. All right, that was a weird poll. I'm grinding tape on fucking Trevor Simeon. And you have to fast forward through Jets? What team do you think Trevor Simeon plays for? I really wish I had gone with a starting quarterback. He's not on the Broncos anymore. That's true. Why do I want to say? I would say Seattle, but that's definitely Drew Locke. That's the wrong Broncos quarterback. Yeah. Keep talking. I'll find out. I'm going to bet Miami. So you have to fast forward. You have to like just keep clicking the fucking little 10 second fast forward button over and over again through all the defensive possessions to get back to your sweet, sweet Trevor Simeon tape. Oh, shit. He's on the Jets. <laughs> How is that I possible? They signed him after the Rodgers injury. And to think they could have had Josh Dobbs for nothing. Well, since it is Monday, as we do every Monday, we're going to go through our Monday morning headlines and talk about the things that the world is talking about. Mike, kick or receive? Kick it to me. So you're receiving? I'm receiving. Why can't you just use the words I lay out? Just because it's be difficult. Every fucking <laughs> every week time. we do this. You have to say it in a weird way. Go ahead. You received. Oh, I thought you were going to like team me up. What? You want me to do like a kicking motion? Terrible do you want me to hopes. read your headline? Or something. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, my first headline is, for the second time this season, we went into a game. We, I think we had stopped recording last week, but we both were like, ah, oh, Baltimore-Seattle, that's like a sleeper game of the week. Kind of like how we thought Baltimore-Detroit was a potential game of the week. And then the Ravens just ruined it for us. For the second time. They just ruined it for us. And 
totally dominated Seattle. They only had 151 yards of total offense. Uh, fucking embarrassing. Meanwhile, Baltimore went ballistic on the ground. Lamar didn't do much to the air. This Baltimore defense is so good. Yeah, real quick. Before we get into talking about the defense, we'll talk about the defense. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I just remember seeing this yesterday. Wasn't the run yard differential? Like, Baltimore had, like, 280 yards, and uh, Seattle had, like, 28 rushing yards. Baltimore, according to PFF, finished with 298 rushing yards to 28. Yeah. 270 <laughs> yards of difference, yeah. And, like, Seattle came in with, like, a pretty good run defense, too. Yeah, they uh, they didn't they didn't do too much yesterday. Uh, yeah. So this defense, right? First in points per game allowed, only thirteen point eight. They're second in yards per game. Second, they're only allowing one hundred seventy yards through the air right now. They have thirty five sacks, which leads the league. Second in PFF grade. First in coverage. We've talked about their secondary group before. All their starters, all four of their starters have positive PFF grades. They're grades of 83.3, 82.2, 78.6, and 67. I didn't dive into it, but I would be surprised if there was another team that had a starting four at secondary with those kind of grades. Could you think yeah. of one? I can't even... Like, I'm trying to think. Um, like, maybe Atlanta could roughly be in the conversation, but I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. The first thing that comes to mind is, obviously, back when Trey White was healthy at his prime, like not this season, but in like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were still rolling, like maybe they would have had it. But I can't think of a single secondary group this season that would. No, not this season. I mean, like once again, like Seattle's kind of in the conversation because they've been getting some good secondary play, but still not anywhere near this. Yeah, so I have to ask the question. We did a segment about it probably like a month ago, but we didn't mention his name. Michael McDonald, DC for Baltimore. I literally, literally mentioned his name in that conversation. What the fuck are you talking about? I've been on the Michael McDonald should be a head coach bandwagon for like three or four weeks now. She came from somewhere long ago. (laughs) Um, Well, then I'm, I'm totally jumping on the bandwagon with you. He was at the University of Michigan last year, left Baltimore, went to UM. Uh, so is he stealing signs? <laughs> no. <laughs> Baltimore now. Connor Stallions was, and they gave it to him. But last season at UM, they had the fifth highest graded defense in the FBS, but 91.3. Keep in mind, for people who don't follow college football, that's out of 133 teams, they were fifth. And now he jumps back over here to the NFL, and they're just dominating. I don't, and what really stands out to me is there's been some games against bad teams where Baltimore's looked a little shaky and you're like, eh. But I think it's more impressive when you go and play playoff caliber teams and you just kick the shit out of them for 60 minutes. No, agreed. And the the last two weeks have really proven that. On top of that, they've given CJ Stroud his worst performance of the season. They've given the Lions their worst offensive performance of the season, the Seahawks their worst offensive performance of the season, and the Browns their worst offensive performance of the season. Now, giving the Browns their worst offensive for- performance of the season is kind of like blocking a five foot one guy who's trying to shoot a three pointer. But everyone else on that list, those are pretty solid offenses that have been playing well outside of games against Baltimore. Did you yeah. know the Ravens have only given up nine touchdowns on defense? That is unreal. 
in today's nine, NFL. Nine touchdowns in nine weeks. They're averaging giving up one touchdown a week. So just for fun here, I'm gonna pull up a little something real quick. Little little future odds for us. Take a look at this. Where the okay, Baltimore. Oh wow, they're up to second uh, in conference winner for the AFC at plus four forty. Well, they are the two seed, so that does kind of make sense. That's true. There are probably negative odds to other division. Yep, negative one forty five. And the big one. Baltimore to Hoysa Lombardi is plus eight fifty. I don't think that's crazy right now. No, with a lot of the NFC competition kind of faltering. I mean, still, it's it's the Eagles and everyone else in the NFC. The Chiefs have looked vulnerable. The Bills have looked vulnerable. Baltimore uh, uh since he's coming on, but still hasn't looked like a world beater. There's not a lot of teams that I would be truly scared of if I was Jim Harbaugh's crew right now. Like, Philly, obviously. San Francisco, when their defense is fired on all cylinders. But just about any other team right now, Baltimore's defense can go toe-to-toe with. Yeah, and when they have the run game going the way it's been, and they obviously saw something. Like you mentioned that Seattle's been getting good play in the secondary, so Baltimore shifted, didn't have Lamar throw it a lot. I mean, that's just good coaching and game planning. They went run heavy and just walked all over this team, stomped them. I, I'm really starting to, I'm going to start putting some money down on Ravens futures. I really like this team. Yeah. And it's kind of like we, we get every few years where we talk about how certain offenses will just change up what they do. You know, think like the Tom Brady era Patriots post 2007. When certain offenses would just kind of change up what they do on week to week to be a better matchup against the defenses they were going up against. With Lamar playing the way he is, and this receiving group being probably the best it's been in Lamar Jackson era in Baltimore, it doesn't just have to be the run game or bust there either. I mean, this this team can live and die by the pass if they want to. And they've done that a few times. I mean, they did that against the the, uh, the Lions and the Texans. They were very pass-heavy in those games. So next week, they have the Browns. But the following week, wow, this is finally a good Thursday night football game. We get them at home against the Bengals. That will be big to see if the Bengals can get back in the race to win their division. If they dominate the Bengals, I think they're right next to... I mean, they're right next to Casey as a Super Bowl favorite. If they give up... Two or if they lose by two touchdowns, if the Bengals lose by two touchdowns to the Ravens, the Bengals should have to give the Ravens a wide receiver the rest of the season. Which one? Like either T. Higgins or Jamar Chase finishes the season in the purple and black. Not Tyler Boyd? You know. <laughs> Would you really rather have Tyler Boyd than like Odell Beckham? That seems like a wash at this point in Odell's yeah. career. <laughs> yeah, that does. All right, you want to throw a headline at me? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I got um, Ronald McDaniel's as my my first headline. Yeah, because <laughs> Josh McDaniel's is a clown, you see. Oh, got it. Yeah. So Raiders mollywop the the Giants thirty to six. The headline of the game: Daniel Jones gets injured in the second quarter. Now it's believed to be a torn ACL, done for the season. By the way. Giants gave Daniel Jones $40 million a year, including $69 million in dead cap if they cut him, uh, when they could have picked up his fifth-year option or franchise tagged him. They declined his fifth-year option, didn't franchise tag him, gave him $169 million at sign-in. Both of these teams, by the way, I don't know how much of this game you watched, both of these teams are so bad. 
They're so bad, Mike. Like, it was fun, right? They, they, you know, win the game. They're in the locker room, smoking cigars, having a great time. You know, as soon as Josh McDaniels is out of the building, Devontae Adams is, like, dunking on Nerf hoops, and people are talking about how a weight's been lifted off their shoulders. But then you watch this game, and it was, like, just falling upwards. Aiden O'Connell, who, by the way, was on the team that won 30-6, to finished the day 16 for 25, 209 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, it was one of those days where they leaned on Josh Jacobs, but he almost hit 100, but it was more quantity, not quality, averaging 3.8. But he did get two touchdowns, so he punched the ones in that mattered. I saw that the Giants had 277 total yards of offense, and I was like, that has to be a typo. There's no way they got there. Like Tommy DeVito comes out and put up 175. That's about 100 more than I would have expected. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's 177 more than he got in his first game. Like, the the highlight from the game was fucking Max Crosby, who had three sacks. Everyone else in this game should be ashamed of themselves for playing football. Damn. It was unwatchably bad for a game where a team scored 30 points. It was, like, it was crap. Honestly, like, I, I might have to write about this on Team Town Alone this week. This game was awful, but more fun than talking about how the Raiders looked bad and got lucky is talking about how they scored 30 points in the first game without Josh McDaniels. Yeah, congrats to Antonio Pierce. He's undefeated as head coach. Yeah, so was uh, Jeff Saturday for a week. Um, <laughs> I was I was texting about this in a group chat, and I was like, I, I texted, you know, my prompt was, what was your favorite memory of Josh McDaniels as a head coach? And someone replied and said, you really think he's never going to be a head coach again? What? Who's going to, what? Where is he going to be a head coach at? It went so disastrous in Denver. Like that forever. I can't talk about Josh McDaniels without being like, yeah, remember that year he started 7-0 and and then didn't make the playoffs? <laughs> like that, that is almost undoable. Yeah, like, is the argument that he's improving as a coach because this didn't go as shockingly horrible as his time in Denver did? Is that the argument for him getting another head coaching job? Like, maybe the next time he gets hired as a head coach, he'll just be Jeff Fisher. He he should have asked the Raiders, be like, can I just, like, be demoted to offensive coordinator? Can I just yeah. stay around? I'm better at that. I swear. I promise, Mark Davis. I want to give a shout-out. One shout out for the Giants. Wandale Robinson, all transfer team portal off, all transfer portal team offense, finally got his way into the end zone. Then I did have a second point, but it escaped me. It's, uh, it was Tommy oh. DeVito's favorite target. He he was throwing it to Wandale. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations, Raiders. Feel a good story. Smoking cigars in the locker room, feeling themselves. It's the right. Ra- it's the Giants. Settle down. <laughs> like, so it, it like, Everything lined up perfectly for them that the week after they canned McDaniels, they were at home against the Giants. It's like buying yourself a championship belt after beating up a fourth grader. Yeah. I haven't beat up a fourth grader in a minute, but I think I could I could still take him. Okay. Well, if you do, I'll buy you a championship belt. Yeah. <laughs> you want to give me your next headline there, Mike? Yeah. All right, let's go see Stroud first. Yeah, there you go. Because Stroud is him. It was very nice for him to phone in last week so my boy Bryce Young could get the win and have something to <laughs> feel good about this season. But then he came out, not a great look for the 
Texans defense, but they haven't looked great all year. 30 of 42, 470, five touchdowns. This man is making three receivers over 100 yards. It's not even like he was just going all to one guy. Everybody was getting involved. Tank Dell, Dalton fucking Schultz had 130 yards. There's Dude, no way. Noah Brown had 100 yards. Yeah. There, there's no way that Dalton Schultz has ever broken 100 yards in his career. Yeah. And it's not like, like you said, like it's not like he was throwing the ball and it was Tony Gonzalez, Terrell Owens, and Randy Moss. He got Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz to 100 yards. Yeah, through touchdowns to four different receivers. Just an, an unreal game. And I think he's basically, it would take a pretty disastrous fall along with a pretty great performance from another rookie for him to lose offensive rookie of the year. Who's even in second place right now? Puka still? Is that? I, I feel like Puka's fallen off a little bit, Annie. Yeah, but still, like, Who's the rookie in second place? For offensive? Yes. Jo- Jordan, A- Jordan Addison, maybe? So, is that really where we're at? I think so. Can we make Josh Dobbs an honorary rookie because he's only played like seven games? Kind of like how Chet Holmgren can win rookie of the year despite having been drafted two years ago. Yeah, or you have to play a certain amount in NHL to be yeah the Calder Calder rules there's guys Uh, who have played like come up for seven games for like four years and they're still rookies technically yeah Alex Mandelkovich won or was in Calder competition I think when he was 35 so um just want to point out this performance six quarterbacks have thrown five touchdown passes in a game during their rookie season first off do you think you could name any of the other five outside of CJ Stroud how many other? You said five other quarterbacks? Five other quarterbacks have thrown five touchdown passes as a rookie. I'm going to say Deshaun. Yep, Deshaun's on there. Andrew Luck? Nope, Luck's not on there. Okay. Was there like a wild RG3 game where he did it? No. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. You can get one more wrong answer before I give you the rest of the list. Okay. Um, Justin Herbert. Nope. Damn. Daniel Jones. <laughs> Jameis Winston. Okay. Ray Bouivide. Don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. And Matt Stafford. Amongst those, Stroud had the highest A dot and the highest completion percentage, which those two stats are not supposed to go together. You are not both supposed to have a high A dot and a high completion percentage, but of the people who have thrown at least five touchdown passes as a rookie. Stroud led them in a dot and completion percentage. That is outrageous. He was yeah, throwing cause... deeper and completing more passes doing it. Yeah, he went six of eight from 20 plus for 199 yards and three of his touchdowns. Who's uh, who's your best CJ Stroud comp at this point? I mean, are, are we still going like pre-injury Dak? Is that still what it is? Yeah, I mean, that's not a that's not a bad one, but like, it almost feels too low. Is that weird to say? Like, I'm maybe the biggest Dak defender on the planet. But Dak's yeah. never, like, in the MVP conversation. And maybe we should start kind of putting CJ Stroud in the MVP conversation. Maybe a little, like... He's on pace for 28 touchdowns and two interceptions in his rookie season. 
Maybe he's got a little like MVP Lamar if Lamar was more of a stay-at-home pocket passer. You know, you don't have to compare him to a black quarterback. You could pick a white quarterback if you want. I know. He's kind of like RG3 if RG3 didn't do any <laughs> option and threw the ball like 80% and ran 20%. He's like Jameis Winston if he ever got LASIK eye surgery. <laughs> he's like right-handed Michael Vick without any of the rushing. All right, fine. He's like a less mobile Justin Herbert. That's exactly what I have. I have Justin yeah. Herbert down. Yeah. Is Justin Herbert the best CJ Stroud comp? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's got the size. He's bigger. He's, I mean, people well, didn't like talk. Three. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's got the size. He's got the arm. Can sling the deep ball. Yeah, I could see some. I could see the, the Justin Herbert comp. And he's doing this without a Keenan Allen. Like, are, are we? Are you about to make a Keenan Allen Nico Collins argument here? Is that what you're about to do? I mean, I was going to say Tank Dell's early in his career. He could be a Keenan Allen. We just didn't know it. Keenan Allen's big, though. All the wide receivers on uh, on Houston are kind of small. Yeah, that's true. It's an entire team made out of like. I was going to try to name a Chargers wide receiver. Why are all the Chargers wide receivers so big? I don't know. I mean, uh, some, Joshua some, Palmer is like their smallest wide receiver. Yeah, some front offices are just size queens about their receivers. That's what they're I like. Would be. They're all like, oh, he can go up and win a contested ball. But for me, I'm like, you know what I like more? A guy who can just run around and get open. And then he doesn't have to catch a contested ball. <laughs> I would, I would definitely be like the Masai Ujiri of the NFL if I was drafting. Everyone I drafted would have like wingspans longer than their height. It'd be like Mr. Fantastic out there. Like, I throw a ball, or my quarterback throws a ball, and they can snag it anywhere. I feel like I would want multiple flavors of ice cream. Metropolitan speed. fucker over here. Yeah, I got a guy, a speed guy, who can beat guys deep. I got a route runner. I got, I'll grab one big body guy to catch his contested balls on, like, you know, big, big downs late in the game. Ready to move on, or you want to keep talking about our GM philosophies? Now, that could be a whole podcast. <laughs> I hear the off-season ringing. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got another headline for you. Okay. Dobbs, Dobbs, Goose. <laughs> See, it's like Duck, Duck, Goose. I saw that. But with Dobbs replacing that. Originally, I had written down Dobbs, Dobbs, Cardinals, but it felt like the joke wasn't quite coming through on it, you know? Like, I don't think that people would have been able to, like, make the leap there. Yeah, I guess it would have taken an extra second to get the yeah. connection. Yeah. I would have had to explain it, unlike now, where I didn't have to explain any of it at all. Yeah, not at all. You just <laughs> rolled right past it. So Dobbs, zero days of practice, gets traded to the Vikings. Jaron Hall is the starter. Jaron Hall gets injured early in the second period. Second period, second quarter, but watch too much basketball. And, like, there's so much crazy stuff that happens when Dobbs comes in the game. First off, immediately gives up a safety. But mm -hmm. after that, he's like... On the sidelines, with the offensive line learning the height cadence so that the rest of the offensive line knows what it's going to sound like when he snaps the ball. Because he's never taken a single rep with any of the offensive linemen, so they don't know what to expect when he snaps the ball. Then, when he actually gets on the field and starts playing, he doesn't know any of the plays. He just got there. So, what's happening is, Kevin O'Connell is calling the plays into the headset... Then, Joshua Dobbs is telling the offense what the plays are, 
And then the offense and Kevin O'Connell is explaining to Joshua Dobb what that play means. So as Joshua Dobbs is walking up to the line, Kevin O'Connell's in the headset telling him what routes each of the wide receivers are going to run. Was it like when you were like a kid and you'd be like in the street playing like pickup football and then you'd like take the ball and with your finger kind of draw out the play? Were they doing that for him? Yeah. Someone has a stick and some dirt. Yeah. So Josh Dobbs fumbles twice and then ends up going 20 for 30 for 158 yards and two passing touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown. So you can tell that he wasn't familiar with the offense because he averaged 5.3 in attempt had an eight out of 5.7. <laughs> so it was like a lot of us like, I don't know what the fuck this is. So I'm just going to get it out quick to some guys close. On the other hand, the team that just traded him and mind you, they're tanking. So this is probably intentional, but the team that just traded him and decided to start rookie Clayton Toon, Clayton Toon went 11 for 20 for 58 yards, two interceptions and took seven sacks. They, by the end of that game, were down 27 to zero and still only threw the ball 20 times. That's rough. I also want to point out that I, I said last week, I don't know why you trade for Dobbs. There's a chance he could like steal a couple games. And I think at this point, the Vikings should start like tanking to get a better draft pick. So they can replace Kirk Cousins with Bo Nix. Yeah. It's too late for them to tank and get the number one pick, right? They're like above 500. Yeah. I mean, they can't get the number one pick, but you can still get yourself in the top 10. What do you think is more likely if these are the only two outcomes? The Vikings end up with a top two pick or the Vikings make the playoffs? More likely the Vikings make the playoffs. Right? They got Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson coming back. They just need to keep trading Josh Dobbs places and having him come back. Like one week, you go to to Jaron Hall because Josh Dobbs is on like the Panthers. And the next week, Josh Dobbs comes back, doesn't know any of the plays again. Throws for 200 yards and two touchdowns. No, I think Dobbs just has to watch like the first quarter from the sideline and then you make the switch and then he's good to go. He's downloaded the defense. <laughs> they also, they brought Josh Dobbs in as like assurance behind Jaron Hall. Immediately Jaron Hall gets hurt. And then the backup quarterback behind Josh Dobbs was Cam Akers and Cam Akers gets hurt. You think Akers could have also averaged 5.3 in attempt? <laughs> They they ran one passing play with him, and he took a sack, so no. I do, before before we get too far, this does remind me, and I want to point out, when we were talking about C.J. Stroud earlier, the third string running back for Houston did kick a field goal because their kicker was injured going into the week. So their third string running back did kick a field goal. He make it? Yeah. Let's go. He's pretty good. He also, uh, he also kicked off a couple times and got uh, touchbacks. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. Is it, it just... Why, why, why isn't there more players that can kick a field goal on a given team. Yeah, I feel like if you were someone not good enough to start, you're like way down the depth chart. I would learn how to kick because then I feel like you'd have more value. But even further than that, right? Like Rob Gronkowski famously didn't watch film for his entire career. Why didn't he just spend film sessions like kicking fucking field goals? Can you? Yeah, you can do that. Like you could yeah, be, why, why wouldn't you be could play... You can play one position and also kick the field goals. Like you could, right? you, you could open up a roster spot if you had a dual threat, <laughs> right? Like if if your backup quarterback could kick field goals, you could roster like an extra, you know, dime or nickel package cornerback. Yeah. Like if I'm, you know, fucking Gardner Minshew, right? When the first team quarterback is taking his reps, 
I'm just going to go over to special teams practice and start kicking field goals. Because then when I don't know who the kicker for the Colts are, but I'm going to guess it's still Rodrigo Blankenship. Yeah. When Rodrigo Blankenship inevitably steps on his glasses by accident and can't play football for the week, they got me there. And we got to sign a kicker. I'm being valuable. I'm getting my game check. Jim Ursay is going to dance to Meek Mill and won't cut me because we won the game and I kicked the field goals. Yeah, but then all the kickers would get angry and have a Zoom meeting to talk about Somehow it. that's even less scary than the running backs doing it. Is it just me or has it been a bad year for QB injuries? But to like bad quarterbacks, not to good ones. I feel like last year was worse because I feel like we had top end quarterbacks get injured last year. Like, like things like second half of the season. We had Lamar go out, and we had Josh Allen hobbled from an injury. We also even had a stretch where Jalen Hurts was out last season. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He missed like, a few games. That was like, Remember that game where Justin Fields ran for like 250 yards against the Eagles? Oh, Jalen yeah. Jalen Hurts was hurt. Wasn't Minshew their backup last year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Bill Simmons all season was like, Are we sure Minshew is better than Jalen Hurts? <laughs> Yeah, that, that take didn't hold very long. Well, this is also the guy that loved the Panthers, so. Yeah. All right, Mike, you want to talk about your sad, sad headline, your final one here? Yeah. And before people are like, oh, Homer talking about his own team again, it's still news because they were a potential Super Bowl contender going into the year, and they've shit the bed. They're 5-4. and four. Buffalo's not making the playoffs. It's not pretty. Why are you shaking your head? You don't agree with me? They're making the playoffs. They're not going to miss the fucking playoffs. Okay, so we have Denver next. That should be a win. I hope so. Then we have the Jets, who who fucking knows after week one. We have Jets are so bad. They're so bad. Who knows after week one? For some reason, Josh Allen struggles against the Jets. I I don't get it. He Uh, struggles in prime time. He's the new Kirk Cousins. How dare you? Uh, we have to go to Philadelphia. We have to go to Kansas City because the NFL scheduling people hate us. We have, we're back home against Dallas. Then we go to the Chargers. We come back home against New England, who once again, who fucking knows? <laughs> and then we finish the season at Miami. I mean, we're shitting the bed against playoff teams like the Jaguars, like the... Can't, Jaguars game doesn't count. We're not allowed to use the Jaguars as evidence anymore. Jaguars were in London for two weeks. Overseas games do not count anymore. Okay. Well, we took... All right, well, we got our ass kicked by the Bengals. You'd agree they're a playoff team, probably. Lost by one score. Yeah. But we played like shit. And then, I mean, I guess all of our other losses are just bad losses, like the Jets and the Patriots. But I, I just don't see a way with the way we're playing right now. We can go through that stretch of Philly, Kansas City, Dallas... And the Chargers. Like, gonna be I've... the Chargers. That's easy. Philly, I, I get it. Philly, uh, Kansas City, and Dallas. Those are hard games. Chargers are not a hard game. Come on. Yeah. I So, I don't know what's up with this offense, but I, I'm about fucking done with it. And I don't think it's Dorsey anymore. I think there's a severe miscommunication between Dorsey and McDermott of how this offense should run. I don't know who's fault it is but something is not computing and before people are like the oc calls the plays do you think all week during game prep uh prep the head coach never talks to the offensive coordinator has no idea what he's going to do on sunday and just lets him take care of it no there's fucking conversations 
they look at these teams and they talk about what they want to do. And, and I don't get it. The last two, Josh Allen breaks out in 2020. Under dabbled in 2020 and 2021, he has 87 touchdowns to 26 interceptions. Last season and halfway through this season, he has 56 and he's already at 26 interceptions. And here's the key thing. And I've been saying it all season. The slow starts, the slow starts, the slow starts. The Bills offense in EPA per play, 10th in the first quarter, 9th in the second quarter. Then we jump up to third in the third quarter and first in the fourth quarter because we've been sitting on our ass, falling behind, and then we have to go up tempo and it works. It's like when a team comes back and ties a game and goes into overtime. And then when they get to overtime, they just go back to the shitty offense they were playing before. If one thing is working late in the game, why aren't you doing it at the beginning of the game? Yeah. Like I, I, I'm proud to agree with you on that, but there is something to be said about how the offense has kind of evolved. Like they're running James Cook outside of the tackles. Fucking finally, it took them long enough, Mm -hmm. but they're running James Cook outside of the tackles. And this game, like, I guarantee you, I haven't looked at the win percentage, but the fucking Dalton Kincaid fumble turned this game. I get it. No one play wins or loses a game in the NFL. But Dalton Kincaid fumbled on the 11. The 11! Right. That, that's, that's... Because if, if, if Buffalo wins this game, and they're 6-3, and three, and they've knocked off Miami and Cincinnati, and only lost weird divisional games, and a London game... That's a different conversation. But a Dalton Kincaid fumble on the 11 changes the entire way we are talking about this game. It's like the, the Dallas-Philly game, right? There's like four plays in that game that shift how we talk that, and they're all for like a combined two yards. After half, the Bills' offense couldn't be stopped. They had one punt in the second half. But Dalton Kincaid fumbles on the 11, and that's just the one possession you needed to tie the game or go up. Yeah, so we, we come out and score the one touchdown. It looks like, all right, we're going to do good. Then we don't do shit for the rest of the the first half. Allen has the interception. We, op- we open up the second quarter with that, or the second half with the field goal. Then we have punt, fumble by Dalton Kincaid. But once again, that's late in the game, late in the third, when once again, we're going up tempo and we're driving because we're down by two scores. And that's the same thing with that touchdown towards the end. And also, I have lost all faith in McDermott. You know how like on CSI, they have that fake technology where they're like, enhance, enhance. <laughs> and it, so that's what you would have needed for them to overturn the thing he challenged. Yeah, <laughs> bad challenge. That's for sure. <laughs> that was the worst challenge. And we had already burned a timeout earlier. If I'm down to, unless I am leading in the second half, Prior to late in the fourth, you're going to have to pry my timeouts out of my fucking fingers. (laughs) I don't care what is about to happen. I am saving those. And he is constantly terrible with timeouts. He's terrible with challenges. He's a coward who will not go for it on fourth when he needs to on the other side of the field. I just, you can't win a Super Bowl if you can't game manage. Great in the room. Terrible on the sideline. No, I totally agree. There, there's just enough times to where it's frustrating when McDermott decides to punt or kick a field goal uh, when, he, when he should go for it. I mean, I, I can't think of anything like expressly in this game. Maybe uh, they had a fourth and five they punted on. And that's like the, you know, Sirianni go mode. Fourth and five and shorter, Sirianni's going for it. 
But McDermott's too conservative as, uh, conservative as a coach. I'll totally give that to you. Also, real, real quick aside. It was a good weekend for challenges. I don't mean like percentage, but I mean the spectacle of challenges. There was a play in Philly-Dallas, the QB sneak that gets a penalty on it. Sirianni challenged that. It was a completely unwinnable challenge, but he just challenged it because he was pissy. He loses the challenge, but he like throws his flag with like so much disgust. It was an unwinnable challenge. And then in Washington, uh, uh, New England, there was a catch that was definitely not a catch. And because Washington wanted to get a chance to look at it, they had uh, uh, Smith Williams, William Smith, whatever his name is, one of one of our defensive linemen, just pretended to get a knee injury. He's just like sat down on the ground. It was like holding his knee. I was oh. having a whale of a time texting in my group chats about that because he was just like, oh, oh, my knee. My career's over. My knee is so hurt. And then as soon as Rivera like got enough information to throw the challenge flag, he went, yeah, I'm good. Let me just go walk over the sidelines. I'll sit out of play. I'll be back in next play. He just did a kip up. And then we had the McDermott like challenge when it was like, what was he hearing from the booth for that? Right? <laughs> like you'd have... Whoever's up in the booth telling him, yeah, challenge that had like Jameis Winston kind of sight. <laughs> like not good. Yeah. His vision was terrible. It was like the the thing where he definitely had like the binoculars backwards. It was not great. And so a couple more points to touch on real quick. About challenges be... or are we going back talking about the Bills? Real this Bills defense. Oh, fine. 18th in EPA per play. Dead last in turnover per games, because we just don't have the big time players anymore to get those turnovers. The injuries caused an overcompensation because we have to make up for our hurt secondary and the loss of Milano in the middle. Adam, me and you could have completed passes last night. Mm -hmm. It was such soft coverage. Burrow went 16 and 19 on short, which is zero to nine for 173 yards. That's 9.1 per attempt. That's almost a first down. Every fucking time he's throwing short. There were so many just short out routes. The dude was, people were just wide open. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. The defense is the real concern with this team. I think the offense is still phenomenal. Josh Allen's still the highest graded passer by PFF. And the offense's EPA is in the top five. It's really that the concern is this defense couldn't stop anything. It's wet tissue paper. It's Swiss cheese. Yeah. Our our offense would be EP, top, like, number one EPA if we could somehow get what we do late in the game, earlier in the game. And my other thing I wanted to bring up was, can the refs go, like, fuck off? I don't need to see them so much. We were texting about this last night. I'm so fucking sick of these games where, sorry, I forget all heated, just dropping those F-bombs. But I'm so sick of these games where they just take it over and are constantly on my TV screen. Yeah, it was the opposite of challenges this week. Too many refs. Too much refs. That like the the final drive in the Philly Dallas game had five flags. That was just the final drive in that game. Is absolutely too much refereeing. Yeah, we were we were texting complaining about it at halftime, and they came out of half. Second play, there was a flag. I was like, I just can't do it anymore. This is ridiculous. And what the thing that's annoying in games like that, they're throwing flags left and right. And then when there's like a blatant call, they they stick their hands in, the, in their pockets. Hey, you think you think like they went back there and Steve Hockenley was like, <laughs> I want to see a reaction. Um, you think that that he was like, all right, team, great job. Let's go out there and throw even more flags. 
it, the Scott Foster levels of, of ridiculous. And the, I think the players need to stand up NFLPA, but like, I don't, maybe the players like the penalties. Like if Jerry Jones speaks up and is like, you need to tell the refs to settle down. Good devil be like, yes, yes. Okay. I'll do it <laughs> right away. Mr. Jones. All right. We've got to start moving on. You have any final thoughts about the bills you need to get off your chest? Um, I've just, I've never been this pessimistic and it's funny how once your team starts to get better and show success, your, your peasant, your pessimism gets like more extreme. You get like this pessimistic every year around week 10. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Every year around week 10, you're like, season's over. Probably should just trade away everything that's not Josh Allen. Start over again. I mean, he is 27. How many more years are we going to waste to this guy's prime? It's time to start having that conversation. But All right. Well, those are the Monday morning headlines uh, sponsored by the LA Times. Does that work? Is that pretty good? CNN? That would be ironic if a dying media like a newspaper was... <laughs> sponsoring a podcast but that's they gotta they gotta get their name out there somehow mike yeah. we're with the extra, youths extra. the youths who want to listen to us talk about epa per play mm-hmm. all right next up talk about the falcons a little bit every week we go over the falcons game in the past week we chose them as our team prior to the season beginning and every week it progressively feels more and more like a mistake <laughs> mike the falcons fall to uh to the vikings this week they're now a game under 500 and somehow still first in their division. This was a weird game. Once again, Jaron Hall gets hurt. Josh Dobbs comes in. Josh Dobbs fumbles twice. And somehow the Vikings still pull it off. With 56 seconds left in the game, Atlanta had an 85% win chance per ESPN. Uh, before we really get into this game, I do just have to bring it up. Fantasy people need to shut the fuck up about Arthur Smith. We get it. You draft Kyle Pitts, you draft Bijan Robinson, you draft Drake London. Those guys are getting played the correct amount to win actual football games. Algiers and Bijan had the same amount of carries, or I think that Bijan had 15 and Algiers had 14. But Bijan had double the snaps of Tyler Algiers. It just so happens that Bijan was on the field for a lot more passing work but ended up not getting targeted. Janu Smith and Kyle Pitts played the same amount of snaps. First off, 12 personnel. They run a lot too tight in. Second, Janu Smith has been better than Kyle Pitts this year. So what if he was the eighth overall pick? Do you want them to force the ball to him because he was the eighth pick? Or do you want them to go ahead and play football that's going to win them games? Because Janu Smith right now is a better tight end than Kyle Pitts. So I have like some questions and some points to make, but they may give away some of the PFF grading that you're about to guess. So I'm going to throw them in after that. Okay. Uh, Big Dick Dobbs runs it in on fourth and or runs for it on fourth and seven with under a minute left down 24, 28 converts two plays later, throws the game winning touchdown. The outside of that, you know, this game was kind of a mess. Don't really need to go into it. That was just, it's really good sequence. If you want to go back and watch. This was one of those, this game was weird because Final score, you're like, oh, 3128, good game. But if, when you look at the box score, you're like, yeah, this is a shit game. <laughs> yeah, it had a safety and like weird timed fumbles. A lot of field goals. Yeah, a lot of field goals. Uh, and also a bunch of injuries. Jaron Hall goes down. KJ Osborne gets knocked unconscious on the field. Cam Akers tears his Achilles again. All Vikings injuries. Yeah, not not much on the Falcon side of things. Brutal injuries for the Vikings, which is is great because they've already had a brutal injury season with uh, 
Justin Jefferson missing significant time, and obviously Kirk Cousins going back to the Netflix offices to rehab. Um, by the way, for fuck Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, everyone, everyone buys into Kirk Cousins' fucking bullshit brand so much. He's Scientology. All you yeah. people are fucking sheep. Great. You watch quarterback and he helps kids. That's awesome. You know he's a COVID denier? You know he's a that. Trump voter? And y'all are just talking about how fucking great Kirk Cousins. Oh my God, did you watch quarterback? He wakes up so early to study film and he does charity work. Great. How about you convince him that he should get a COVID vaccine because other people in the world can die from that? That's why I call him Kirky Q. It's short for Kirky Q and on. Anyways, might have to cut some of that out. Got a little political. Um, Falcons have the easiest remaining strength of schedule by win percentage the rest of the season. So I'm still betting they win the South. I'm still betting they end up above 500, maybe even as a 10-win team. The remaining opponents right now have a combined win percentage of 30%. Not great. And maybe they take that momentum and make a Cinderella run to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Mike, every week, I watch the Falcons game twice. Yeah. I do not want to watch them play in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Give me anything besides a Falcons Super Bowl. I would take, like, 22 teams above the Falcons to play in the Super Bowl. Broncos one of them? Yeah. (laughs) Broncos are one of them. (laughs) What What about Josh Dobbs and the Vikings? Oh no! I think I think I think the Dobbs effect wears off after one week, and I I can't I can't fucking watch Alexander Madison run directly into the ass of his offensive lineman for two and a half yards, fifteen times a game during the playoffs. I know Dalvin Cook was expensive, but there's no way he could be this bad. Well, then Cam Akers, who doesn't wear socks for some reason and keeps tearing his Achilles, maybe the two things are related. Cam, you you never want to see naked calf. On a football field. It looks wrong. I don't think so. Uh, this guy's out here fucking loving the look of people's legs. Mike Foot, <laughs> Foot Fetish Regan, we call him. Um, Taylor Heineke was terrible, you know, which is expected because he's a bad quarterback. But I, I, I'm so ranty today. I don't know why. But here's the thing, right? People keep talking themselves into Taylor Heineke because they didn't spend fucking two seasons watching him play football. Yeah. Taylor Heineke is terrible. He's, he's bad. He's terrible. He's a bad quarterback. He's fun, but he's like fun like your buddy who will do keg stands and 15 shots. Like, you don't want that guy watching your kid, but you'll like watch him with morose interest as he downs an entire bottle of Jaeger and then runs across the yard naked. I don't know. You said a, there was some stat line last week where you're like, this should be called a blank. I can't remember if it was Heineke, but 21 to 38 for 268, a touchdown and interception. That's a very Heineke stat line. It's so Heineke. All right. With with two or three rants in the section alone out of the way, let's just go ahead and move on. Uh, Let's do the PFF grades every week on the show, on a Monday show. We go through, and I try to guess the top five PFF graded players on the Atlanta Falcons from the past weekend. Mike, are you ready? I am ready. All right. I got Janu Smith. Yep, he came in second, 81.5. Ooh, interesting. Nate Landman. Number one, 81.6. Just edged out Janu. I feel like I always get number one. It's, mm-hmm. it's obvious. Number one's always obvious. Uh, I, I went with, you know, 
the good old reliable Jesse Bates the third? Uh, not. Uh, he was just outside of it. I think we'd have been like seventh or so. All right. Then up and comer, middle of the season had has had a great run from like weeks four to right now. Caden Ellis. Nope. Arnold Epicetti. Transferred to Penn State, member of the uh, All Transfer Portal defense. <laughs> um, no, he actually also didn't make the list. I'm sorry. Was he close? He had a good game. Not close enough for me to like notice his name when I was looking. Okay. All right. Give me the top five, Mike. All right. So you got Landman and Janu Smith. You missed center Drew Dahlman, 81.3. Uh, Matt Collins would have been third, but he was disqualified. Yeah, I was about played... to say, he played yeah. like less than 20 snaps. Yeah, he had a 79.2, but he, he actually came in just at 20%, and my requirement is 25. Left tackle Jake Matthews, 78.6. Rounding out the top five is David Onyemata. Uh, yeah, I was I was between him and Epichetti. I had Onyemata written down at the last second. I switched it out for Epichetti. Okay, that's on me. Yeah. And then, just because it ties into something I'm about to ask, sixth, sixth, pardon me, was right tackle Caleb McGarry, 72. So, Arthur Smith likes to run the ball. Some would say. And I, I just find it, Weird that your center, left tackle, and right tackle, high PFF grades, saying they performed well, but they didn't have a lot of success running the ball. Yeah, that's interesting. I I, I really knocked out of the park on offensive line one week, and I've been dipping on it since. I Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's people at, at PFF are better than me at evaluating offensive linemen. But I, I kind of agree with you. Like, thinking back on the game... It doesn't feel like they were dominant either in pass protection or run. So I don't know why three offensive linemen ranked in the top six. Yeah, it's just very weird. This wasn't a question. It was just a point that I just continue my theory. If a average to below average tight end pops off, a bad quarterback was playing. Every time. This isn't like Kelsey popping off. That makes sense. Mahomes to Kelsey. But when these guys, these kind of guys, Janu Smith, uh, Hunter Henry, when they pop off, because a bad quarterback was playing. Who's the who's the ultimate average to below average tight end that pops off because of bad quarterback play in your mind? Logan Thomas. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, good one. All right, last segment for the Falcons. I always give out the three stars of the week, kind of like hockey, but not hockey. Third star goes to Young Winku, who once again was perfect on field goals and perfect for extra points. Four for four on field goals, two for two on extra points, including an extra point that had a 15-yard penalty on it. Does he have the most stars since you've been doing this? He might. He might have the most stars. He he might have been on this list the most. He keeps hitting every fucking field goal they toss to him. Mm -hmm. And just to point out, once again, at one point, he was on the Chargers, who notoriously always have kicker problems. Uh, Second star goes to Janu Smith. Five receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. He has a 60-yard reception where he just outruns the entire defense for a touchdown. And first star, second week in a row, I'm giving it to a non-Falcon. I'm going to try not to do this in the future, but yeah, to give it to Joshua Dobbs. I mean, come on. Guy shows up completely raw, doesn't even know what the play calls are, still manages to lead two straight game-winning drives. Next week, I'm sure they play football. I didn't didn't actually look at the schedule for next week. I'm going to guess New Orleans. I got it pulled up right here. They play. Drum roll, please. Oh, the Cardinals. Oh, God. I have to watch that game twice. 
in Arizona. Josh Dobbs revenge game. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be a fun next four games for you. Cardinals. Oh, my God. You mentioned earlier, but Cardinals, Saints, Jets, Tampa Bay, and then the Panthers. Jesus Christ. Uh. Well, this was the last Falcon segment for the season. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> listening to us talk about the Falcons for the last nine weeks. Uh, our town alone team is now the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need a bye week. Yeah. All right, Mike, final segment this week. Every week on Monday, we give out our weekly awards, but as it is week nine, we have some awards mixed in that aren't just weekly. They are for the season as a whole so far. Mike, you want to give out the first award? I thought they were all for this, like, midseason awards. Um. Oh, I, I have a free space one that's not. You're right. Oh, okay. You're right. You're gotcha. right. Um, yeah, spin all the right. wheel. Spin in the wheel. The wheel stopped like six seconds ago. <laughs> All right, Mike. First award goes to you. It is the week one to nine MVP award. Okay, here we go. You're not going to agree with this. I, I always like on some of these awards to go out of the box. Like I'm sure it would just be some quarterback if we were being serious. But I said Miles Garrett. It's not a bad one. It's not. not a bad one. So he is leading top of the league with a 94.6 PFF grade. This team has no right to be five and three. Like absolutely no right. Watson is either ta- terrible or he's hurt or he might be hurt. But for some reason, he's not playing. And it's really weird. We don't know what's going on. Nick Chubb lost for the season. They currently have an EPA per play of negative 0.139. That's 28th in the league. They have a 31% success rate on offensive plays. Uh, yet still, they're 5-3. and three. Only two of their losses have been by four points. I this... wonder. I, I haven't looked it up, but I wonder if Miles Garrett has accounted for more points. Like, how many players on the offense has Miles Garrett accounted for more points than? Because he definitely at least has a safety and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Yeah. Like, how many wide receivers on that team does Miles Garrett have more points than? Maybe like Amari Cooper would be the only one ahead of him. Right? He yeah. might have more points for all but one wide receiver on that team. Yeah. He currently has 37% of the team's total sacks, which is top of the league. Their total sacks are top of the league. So is his, his 10 overall. Uh, he's rocking a 26.2% win rate. One-fourth of the time he's getting by the, the, the uh, offensive line. He accounts for 25% of the team's total pressures, which goes into this defense that is only giving up 145 passing yards per game. They have an EPA of negative 0.24, which it's a decent gap because second place is the Ravens at negative 0.138. Their dropback EPA, also first in the league, negative 0.285. This defense has somehow willed a terrible Cleveland Browns offense to a winning record halfway through the season, and Miles Garrett is the driving force on defense. One through nine, MVP. And one last thing on Miles Garrett. Because he plays for the Browns, similar to Nick Chubb, he doesn't get enough respect. People don't talk about him enough. <laughs> and now he's one of the best players at his position in the league. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I think Miles Garrett has been, it, like, I, he might be the most runaway defensive player of the year we've had since Aaron Donald's first defensive player of the year. Yeah. Hands down. All right. Spin of the wheel. My first award. You're not going to do a song this time? You did the song last time. No, no. 
but now it's been the wheel. All right, last time I'll ask you, I guess. All right. My my first award is the I don't even want to be around anymore, which is the award for the fan base that has had it the worst so long, so far, through nine weeks of NFL action. There's a lot of good candidates for this, Mike. A lot of good candidates. You give it to the worst team in the league, the Panthers. You give it to the, the team that's the most up and down, but still has kind of a shot at a draft pick like the Bears. I'm sure that you want to give it to the Bills. No? Mm-mm. Uh, you give it to the the Cardinals, you know. You give it to the Raiders. I chose to give it to the Giants. Hey, that's who I gave it to. <laughs> there you go. The Giants are two and seven after last year making the playoffs and winning a playoff game. Dabble wins Coach of the Year last year. They signed Daniel Jones to a sixty nine or sorry a hundred and sixty seven million dollar extension, including as of right now a sixty nine million dollar dead cap hit if they cut him. And even if they get a top two pick this season, which they are fully in play for, they still have to carry Daniel Jones on that cap sheet at least one more year. Yeah, the big delineation for me and why this is the Giants is all the other shit teams, it was expected. The fan base knew this was the kind of season that was coming. The Giants fans were all like, yay, we got the coach of the future. We made the playoffs. And then they gave Daniel Jones a massive contract, and they were like, no, it's okay. We still feel confident. Brian Dabble will get something out of him. And then now it's, you know, it's the water boy meme. Oh, no, we suck again. Was it week one when they got shut out 40 zip by the Cowboys? Yes. Do you think, do you think Giants fans knew then? So I don't, they may have still been in denial, but. I came out of that game as someone who felt was more high on the Giants possibilities in the offseason. I came out of it and I was like, yep, I was wrong. This team's cooked. (laughs) By the way, just want to point out real quick, unrelated to football, it is currently 5-12 central time. It is pitch black outside. Fucking daylight savings, man. It's 5 o'clock. We need to get rid of it. We need to get rid of it. You got any more Giants thoughts there, Mike? You th- how, how long do you think Dabble survives there? How many more seasons do you give Dabble? The Coach of the Year Award is such an albatross now. It's a curse at this point. What is it, who's the last person we gave it to that's actually like a good coach still? It, it, it's stupid because teams like An- Andy Reid should be up for Coach of the Year every fucking year. Yeah, like the, the record holder for Coach of the Year should absolutely be Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick should have won it probably like seven straight years. They just focus so much on, oh, this coach turned this team around and got him to like a 10 and 8 record, which like is the, the last person to win this who's like actually a good quarter or a good coach is John Harbaugh. Yeah. It goes Brian Dabble, Mike Vrabel, who, you know, your, your mileage may vary with Mike Vrabel, Kevin Stefanski, John Harbaugh, Matt Nagy, Sean McVay, Jason fucking Garrett, Ron Rivera for his second win of it. Bruce Arians, Ron Rivera again, Bruce Arians, Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick. At least we had a stretch there where we gave it to some good coaches, but Dabble, Vrabel, Stavansky, Harbaugh, Nagy are the last five. Three of those are borderline bad coaches. Well, two of them are definitely bad coaches, I should yeah. say. As, as much as I have turned on him, Stavansky stole that coach of the year from McDermott, and it's wrong. It's wrong. Who, who else was up for this in 2018? 
I mean, I can't remember. I just remember McDermott and Stefanski, obviously, because of my biases. Bias eyes? I don't know. Cacti. Okay. Matt Nagy beat out <laughs> Anthony Lynn, Frank Reich. Those are the, the top three. Matt Nagy, Anthony Lynn, Frank Reich. It's almost like we should not give it to him. You should be disqualified if it's your first season. Yeah. And then Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, Sean Payton. Like the three good coaches came in fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yeah. It, it's because they're like, oh, we can't, you know, it's, it's the, we can't give it to LeBron every year. Other coaches should be voting on coach of the year. We should not let the media vote, vote on coach of the year anymore. Yeah, but then every coach would end up with one vote for themselves. What if you can't vote for yourself? Okay, that, that that's the only rule, right? And seriously, you really think that, like, after this season, Ibraflus was voting for himself? Yeah, probably, because even the bad coaches would be like, I had nothing to work with. It's a miracle we won one game. I'm a genius. I'm building a culture. <laughs> you really think Ibraflus wakes up in the morning and goes, I do a good job. <laughs> I feel like as a head coach of a bad team, you have to, or else you would get clinically depressed. All right, Mike, you want to, you're up next. You got any more, any more thoughts on Giants? Uh, No. All right. Spin in the wheel. I was going to ask you if you want to sing a song. That went so poorly last time. It was Mm -hmm. embarrassing. All right, Mike, you get the redraft award for the team who passed on a player in the draft and could have desperately used that player right now. You're not going to agree with this. Well, yeah, because if you give it to anyone besides C.J. Stroud, the Panthers, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Uh, I'm going to wait until year two Bryce Young to make that call. Is he going to get notably taller during the offseason? Is that what you're waiting for? <laughs> that growth you hoping that he grows three or four inches and can play in the NFL? That year 24 growth spurt's coming. You really need to give him one of those little like amusement park signs that says you must be this tall to play NFL quarterback. He's like four inches below that line. Are you done? think so yeah go ahead the falcons team town alone shouldn't have taken Bijan robinson they should have taken the man who went with the next pick jalen carter Bijan, he's great very dynamic athletic they still have the 24th graded rush attack in the league as great as he is it's not helping them win games it's either i don't think it's him i think it's the way they're using him um so instead, if they would have got Jalen Carter, who is the runaway defensive rookie of the year, baby Rhino has been dominant. He would help their 27th rank in pressure. And it would probably help them out if, you know, Josh Dobbs might not be throwing for two touchdowns if you got a guy who's bearing down on him. They might be able to win some games if late in the fourth quarter, they got a dude like Jalen Carter beating a tackle and getting in on the QB. Yeah, and there's something you said, because we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how I think Ryan Nielsen is is sneaky, a really good defensive coordinator right now. But he's working with David Onyemata, who's good. Grady Jarrett until the injury, who was their best defensive lineman. 95-year-old Calais Campbell. Like, he's not exactly working with studs on the defensive line. Like, they're a couple injuries away from calling Vic Beasley back into the building. And getting Jalen Carter out there to be doing what he's doing would be awesome. Now, mind you... It's also really fun to have Jalen Carter go, hey, what if we just put the best defensive lineman on the best defensive line? Wouldn't that be kind of fun? And he's been killing it. Yeah. This season, he does have the help of defenses having to account for a lot of people on the Eagles uh, front four. 
They're in the offseason. Should we just talk about the Eagles defensive line for a whole episode? I'm down. You got a lot of Josh Sweat thoughts? Yeah. Can we talk about the Baltimore secondary? Ah, yeah, just read Team Town alone every week. But that's all I talk about anymore. I just want to talk about Kyle Hamilton for an hour and a half. No, I, as, as much as I think that there are better options out there, once again, Panthers taking CJ Stroud. Um, Jalen Carter could do a lot of good for this Falcons defensive line that is not performing very well. But also, they could have taken, like, I was about to start throwing more offensive players. Maybe they shouldn't take offensive players. I was going to say they could have taken, like, Jackson Smith and Jigba. That would have been great. Yeah. Or they, they could have upgraded at corner and gotten Christian Gonzalez or, or uh, Witherspoon. They could have got Brian Branch. That would have been a little early for him to go, but put him with Jesse Bates. Pretty, yeah. So that probably wouldn't work. I also don't know, like, the Jackson Smith and Jigba situation. It's like they already struggled to get the ball to London and Pitts. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what I was saying. My first thought was, what if we improved their offense? But adding more weapons to their offense doesn't make Desmond Ritter into a good quarterback. Yeah. All right, spinning the wheel. All right, Mike. My award here I'm giving out is the Week 9-17 to MVP. So this is who do I think is going to be the MVP or I guess 10 to 17. The MVP for the final seven weeks of the season. You ready for this, Mike? I'm ready for it. You don't look ready. You, I, I need to be really ready for this. I'm, I'm so ready. <laughs> the MVP of the NFL from week 10 to week 17. 18. Will be CJ Stroud. Ooh. Currently, amongst all quarterbacks, ranked 12th by PFF grade as a rookie. He leads the league in touchdown-to-interception ratio, seventh-ranked by EPA per play, and from here on out, the Texans, 23rd hardest-ranked strength of schedule. They have the, the ninth-easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way. I think we could, I think we could see like a C.J. Stroud improvement in the second half of his rookie year compared to what we've seen so far. Ninth-hardest? Ninth easiest. Ninth easiest. Twenty third hardest. Okay, because you for a second there, I thought you were going with ninth hardest. He's going to show out against good teams, and you know it'll be inevitable. Nah, brother, it's all about counting stats, touchdowns, passing yards, snap counts. I couldn't think of a third one. I I was kind of thinking more like the Heisman mentality. Where you got to make you stop watching this fucking college football (laughs) bullshit, man. Or you can put up big numbers, but it's the big games against tough competition that really gets you over the hump. No, I mean, it would be wild to see a rookie win MVP. I think he's going to be on ballots. Like, at this point, can you name five players that have played better than C.J. Stroud this season? Let's be honest. Can you name five quarterbacks that have played better than C.J. Stroud this season? I mean... On a week-to-week basis, a consistent basis. I mean, I think Josh has still played really well. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes has played really well despite some of his box scores. He's still up and down. Up and down down weeks. I mean, he's still Patrick Mahomes, but sure, up and down weeks. I'll give you that. All right, Patrick Mahomes, (sighs) Jalen. Nah, can't. No, he's having a down year to last year. There's no chance. Yeah, because he hasn't. Jared Goff has had some stinkers. Mm Hmm. Dak is Dak. He's always due for some stinkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Daniel Jones got hurt, or else he could. 
Justin Herbert's not going to win enough games. No, I mean, you, you got a point. It's a basically it's a quarterback award. So. Yeah, like the only thing that's going to push him out is if A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill get MVP votes. Or Miles Garrett. I just wonder what his what his odds are right now. I'm going to say plus 2,500. They have the top 10 listed here, and uh, C.J. Stroud is not on the list. Give me the top 10 currently. Favorite is Tua. Then Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Joey Cool, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, and then Tiny Hands, Kenny Pickett. Just kidding. Tiny Hands, Jared Goff. CJ Stroud is plus 13,000. Shit, I didn't. I... He's, he's tucked right in between Geno Smith and AJ Brown. Really? Yeah. AJ Brown should be higher than that. Yeah, because Tyree Kill's plus 5,000 and AJ Brown's plus 13,000. And I would say that those guys are 1A, 1B at the receiver position this year. Yeah, they've been ridiculous. I don't agree with Brock Purdy being on this top 10 list at all. Yeah, Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey are both on the top nine in FanDuel. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Christian McCaffrey, I can get. And I think... It's weird. It's week nine. Amon Ross St. Brown is currently plus 20,000. Yeah. But I just think McCaffrey has an opening down the stretch if they just turn this offense basically into entirely being centered around him even more where he could put up massive numbers we're getting off topic we are we got two more awards hit me with one uh i well you only have one left and then we have the free space awards oh no i'm sorry you do have two left sorry i wasn't on the right right tab all right when you go spinning the wheel you don't like my songs i'm not doing them anymore all right mike your next award is best overseas performance okay all right so i had to comb through the big three international games we had. Really look at the stats. Really break down the film. <laughs> if you really want, you could predict based off of next week. What is like, the Ger- what's the Germany like, game next week? It's something dogs. It's like Patriots and someone. Do you see next year they're going to Perry? What would be the best team to play in Perry? I guess the Saints, right? They speak the yeah. same language. Yeah. Yeah. Colts Patriots. <laughs> way to way to bring football to Germany. This is payback for World War II. Max Jones. Gardner Minshew. Fun stuff. So I went with week five, Jags versus the Bills. Travis Etienne, he might want a petition for the Jaguars to just move their team to London. He hasn't had a 100-plus game on the ground all season. Pops off for 136 for 5.2 a carry. That's best all year as well. He's had five games below four, but he gets above five for this one. Two tutties, both of which came in the fourth quarter to basically seal the game. Buffalo was able to get one touchdown to make it a one-score loss, but then they got the ball back with, I think, like 12 seconds, and they really couldn't do anything uh, in that time frame. So congratulations, Travis Etienne. Best game of the year in London. What's the team you think about the least? The Saints, probably. It's definitely got to be one of the South teams. Like, I think the Jags are in the conversation for me. Yeah. They're not really a sexy team. Despite their quarterback being the sexiest quarterback. And their coach. Being the sexiest coach, yeah. Doug Peterson in that visor. Woof. You. All right. Well, to, to avoid going long, let me spin the wheel. Give my last award. Well, I don't need to spin the wheel. My last yeah. award is the uh, coach of the year, which so far I'm hard-pressed not to give it to Nick Sirianni, to be honest with you. They're the only one lost team left. They are two games up, two and a half games up from the next team in the standings 
which is the Detroit Lions, who are on bye. And they have driven clear of their only competition in division by beating the Dallas Cowboys. Really? The only person who can even, like, shoot for the throne against them this season in the NFC seems to be the 49ers. They can get their shit together. And then realistically, how many AFC teams are you taking against them straight up? I like Baltimore because their defense, and I like the Chiefs because it's the Chiefs. He has the highest go for it on fourth down rate. They have an unstoppable gain of two yards whenever they need it. They have the highest two-point conversion rate in the NFL currently. Although that might be, actually, that might not have updated for this weekend. So the highest two-point conversion rate going into this weekend. And Nick Sirianni is just like the king of pandering to the fan base, and I love it. He's always out there like at Phillies games and shit. I didn't, I didn't have Sirianni on my list for finalists, but it's a solid choice. Good job. Let me just read off your finalists. We don't have to go through the stats. I just want to hear who you had. Okay. I mean, I didn't do a lot of stats. I just kind of listed out like premier wins on their schedule. So I took, these are all teams Stop. with two. It's, you and fucking college football, man. Yeah. <laughs> these fucking premier wins. We need to have, we need, we need to have like a, a, a sit down and really talk about this. Once again, I think this award should go to coaches who actually have a good record. Um, so my finalists were Reed, Peterson, McDaniels, Campbell, and John Harbaugh. Currently the leaders by betting odds. Dan Campbell, plus 210. D'Amico Ryans, plus 400. Yeah. Mike McDaniel, plus 450. Can't beat a good team. Yeah, exactly. Robert Sala, plus 600. Nick Sirianni's plus 1,400. Mike Tomlin, plus 1,600. Kevin O'Connell, plus 1,600. John Harbaugh, plus 1,600. A lot of people at the plus, 600, plus 1,600 level. But seriously, like, John Harbaugh's team is 7-2. Nick Sirianni's team is 8-1. and one, And they... Aren't in the, neither one of them are in the top three. That's ridiculous. Yeah. We're going to give Ra- it to Robert. We think that Robert Sala is more than double as likely to win this award as Nick Sirianni. Well, this is the thing again. It's like the shitty team that somehow is above 500. Give it to them. Like, we might as well put St- Kevin Stefanski back in the list. Uh, Looking, doing a quick scan here. Let's see. Kevin Stefanski plus 3,100. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what? Right above Andy Reid. See, this is so stupid. This award is done entirely wrong. I'm, not, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with Coach of the Year. Kevin Stavansky, right behind Kyle Shanahan, right above Andy Reid. Excellent. Well, I mean, All right, Mike, you got any bonus awards there now that we've spent a third of this podcast trashing coaches? Yeah, I do. The award is the man with the worst priors. And it goes to me. Yeah, we placed some future Nepotism bets. Bullshit. We played some future played some placed some future bets earlier in the year. And mine are not looking good. I had Drew Tranquil, most regular season tackles and assists. He is leading the Chiefs, but he's nowhere near the top in the league. Who's currently I, first in the league? I'd have to pull it up. I can pull it up. You keep going. I had Brian Burns. Most sacks. And he's having a down year. And then lastly, it's not up here anymore because I think I cashed it out for like 31 cents or something. <laughs> but I had Jalen Hyatt to lead the rookie receiving uh, class in receiving yards. The man with the worst priors, Mike Regan. Yeah, I don't even know if Jalen Hyatt is leading rookies in the NFC East this season. I, I doubt it. Uh, by the way, 
the leader currently in you want solo tackles or combined tackles? Uh combined, that's what the bet was for. 102. Zaire Franklin. Huh. Tackle awards weird, man. It is. Bobby Wagner is fourth. So yeah, weird. I guess you should pick like a bad team. Or like a team with bad coverage. Well I guess. Maybe you're not wrong. Maybe that's a good call. Yeah. Like the the best the team like who's who's the highest on here? It's like a good team. Uh Terrell Bernard has a pretty good amount. He's having a pretty good year. He got hurt last night, which is unfortunate. I also had this real quick, this parlay. Let me ask you if you think this is gonna hit. Plus ten wins. Ravens, Chargers, Lions, and Steelers. Uh that's kind of frisky still. That's kind of frisky. Still alive. Like I think I like, you know, that's the whole Tomlin argument, right? Yeah. Chargers are kind of the scariest part of that at this point. Yeah, Staley's gonna fuck me. <laughs> I can't wait for Staley to kick a field goal down eight in the last week of the season with nine wins. It's really you might <laughs> burst a blood vessel in your head if he does that. Yeah. But it would be on brand for him, so. All right, and uh speak of the devil, my Final award, and our only Week 9 award this week. I didn't want to say week twice in the same sentence. The Brandon Staley Memorial Worst Coaching Decision of the Week. That's right. My Free Space Award is just a regular award we normally give out. I'm going to give it to Mike McCarthy for his red zone play calling. But most of all, I want to highlight that on 4th and 8 from the 29, with 122 left, down 5 points, he calls a play where three receivers, including CeeDee Lamb, isolate on the far side of the field. And the close side is just Jalen Tolbert, who runs a comeback route against James Bradbury. Their plan on fourth and eight with the game on the line to convert was to throw an isolation route to the third round pick out of South Alabama. Dude, I I was watching that play and I was like, what are they doing? So Dak snapped it and he just like quickly glances to his left and then immediately goes right. And it goes to James Bradbury. When they showed C.D. Lamb on the route, I was like, he had a fucking chance on that one. Lob that up and let C.D. go get it in the end zone. Like, what are you doing? I do want to use this as a jumping off point that we really buried the Cowboys after this one. We're like, they're not a real better. If it wasn't for, oh God, what's his name? Schooner, Schoonmaker, Shermer. They're, they're rookie tight end who just didn't run quite deep enough on a touchdown route goes down on like the inch yard line turnover on downs or that Dak Prescott wears like shoes that are too big and steps out on the two yard line for a touchdown. And then Mike McCarthy making the inexplicable decision to run a route to Jalen Tolbert against James Bradbury on fourth and eight. Those three things are between Dallas and winning this game versus losing it. It, it yeah. Like they describe football as a game of inches. Dallas Philadelphia was truly a game of inches. Yeah, because, I mean, those first two things you highlighted, just the game of inches. The last thing, the uh, was the game of inches because Mike McCarthy, like usual, was on the sideline with his mouth hanging open by a couple inches. <laughs> just inexplicable play calling there. All right, Mike, you got any final thoughts about week nine of NFL action? No, can I just say real quick how much I hate NBC? Not, like, I don't, Collinsworth and Trico are fine, but I hate NBC games because, one, I can't stand that Carrie Underwood song. It's like nails on a chalkboard for me. Yeah, you really hate it. You bring it up a lot. And two, they go to like the halftime. They go to the panel. And it's like a competition now between Chris Sims and Jason Garrett for who can have the creepier fucking smile. 
It's so off-putting and uncomfortable. But those are my final thoughts. I just want to point forward. I've never liked Chris Sims. I don't know how he ended up here. No. I didn't like Chris Sims back when he was a quarterback. How are we now doing Chris Sims on the halftime show? They might both be aliens. They were just like grinning and nodding their head. Mm-hmm. I, well, while we're talking about weird NFL production stuff, they only cut to the booth once as far as I could tell. But for some reason, oh God, who's the, I, I can't remember his name now, the play-by-play guy that does uh, the games with Greg Olson. But they were in the booth and he was standing like three or four feet in front of Greg Olson. It was really weird. He was like looking over his shoulder to talk to Greg Olson. And the only thing I could figure out is that they wanted them to be like roughly the same size on camera. Yeah. So instead of like breaking out an apple crate for him to stand on, they were just like, no, no, stand closer to the camera. And then when you have talked to Greg Olson, you could put your, your head over your shoulder and, and talk backwards at him. It, in my head, that, it wasn't the production thing. It was the announcer. It was a power play by him. He like moved forward himself to look as tall as Greg Olson. Greg Olson, not big league in me with his, his his height. Kevin Burkhart. Kevin Burkhart was standing like three feet in front of Greg Olson for some reason. Yeah, it's kind of like Tony Schiavone used to say that he would raise his chair up on commentary so he didn't look shorter than the other people. <laughs> Just like that. It's a power play. All right, Mike, any final thoughts this week? Nope. Well, on the way out the door, let's get the plugs in. Uh, I got... League Pass rankings coming out bright and early tomorrow morning for week two, three, two, three. They're like rankings based off of week two, but with information about week three for for the NBA season. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about ugly-ass courts in it. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. After that, we got Team Talent Alone coming out. Probably going to be a lot of Lamar talk, a lot of CJ Stroud talk. Probably get in some uh, some more licks about, I don't know, Montez Sweat or something. I'll figure out something to talk about. Something else in there. Maybe I'll go over awards. Don't know yet. We'll get there. And then be sure to come back here. Check out our Friday podcast where we look forward to week 10. Talk a little Thursday night football. Make some predictions. Make some same game parlays. Other kind of fun stuff. And then tune in every Saturday for our Basky pod where we have not enough time to talk about basketball. Not enough time to talk about hockey. So we jam them together and don't talk about enough of them for either one. I have, as always, hopefully to get it out on time this week on Wednesday. On Saturday my massive review and look ahead for the previous week and future week of college football. And then I'm not going to put a time frame on it because you know me, I never hit those, but I'll tease it and say that the next tankology is in the works. Do you want to reveal who it's on or tease who it's on a certain Russian? That's right. Tankology, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> All right, Mike, one thing and one thing I left to do. Got to give shouts out to the king of sports book himself. BCF. <laughs>